You are listening to the smooth, smooth sounds of the mating ritual of the majestic giant tortoise. the Break the Bell podcast. I should probably turn the volume down before I start talking so people can actually hear me. I'm, I can hear you. You can, but the music's really loud, I, I so know. maybe people yeah. can't understand me. Welcome, everybody. Bill, you kind of threw me off today. This I evening. know. You I know. really threw me through a loop. Because usually I'm hitting the record button as you're coming and sitting down. Today, see, I'm, I'm in the process of, I'm going to record this post this podcast up, schedule it to post Wednesday, Yes. then I'm getting the fuck out of here. I know, you're at gone. Like, like 4 you're o'clock gone. in the morning, we're taking off. So yeah. it's kind of been going back and forth, trying to get things ready for leaving, as well yeah. as getting a podcast ready. So I'm like taking the trash out at like 10 minutes till, and all of a sudden you're walking up my that sidewalk. I'm like, Yeah, you open the door and you looked at me and you're like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, so I'm like, <laughs> who's this guy at my door at <laughs> 6.50 in the... Yeah. Go go mo- back in your van for 10 minutes. <laughs> so then I was just like, okay, he's here early, great. And then we came down here, I'm like, shit, I don't have like anything ready. So you th- you threw me off. Yeah, so. that, that was my plan. I'm like, you know, Craig's going on vacation, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, you mixed it up and you made it so since you were here on time... I wasn't ready for anything, yes. so as we're sitting here getting ready to push the buttons, I'm like pulling up the articles that I had saved and stuff. I'm like, shit, where are these articles at? <laughs> but we're here. We are. Once again, we are here. We're not letting vacations get in the way. Never. Ever. We're not letting articles not be pulled up, get no. in the way. We're not. No tech. No technical difficulties tonight. Not at all. I am. I am. I'm just calling that right now. I don't okay. want to jinx it, but I'm just going to call. No technical difficulties tonight. I'm down. I'm so, down. tonight, I don't know how long this show is going to go, because, like I said, I'm leaving at like four in the morning. Yeah. So, I have a bunch of shit that I, I still got to pack, all right? right. <laughs> so, and I got to get this that's, episode. That's the Bill Filter vacation plan, packing in like two hours before yeah, you leave. That I mean, that's <laughs> the best way to do it. Um, so... I'm not going to be in a place, because my kind of vacation isn't like going to a big city, standing in long lines and all that shit. So the beginning of our vacation is going to be spent in the middle of mountains somewhere. So That's awesome. I don't know what cell reception is going to look like on Wednesday when we're supposed to post this. So I'm going to have to do all this and get it scheduled. As soon as we're done recording it, I'm going to have to work to get it scheduled so it automatically posts Wednesday. So that way we can have everything to everybody's ears the way we always do. Yeah, and the way you guys like it. Yeah, the way you people, you people like it. You people? Those people. Those people. 
I'm pretty sure in order for me to get everything accomplished that I need to tonight as well as get like two, three hours of sleep and get up at four in the morning to drive eight and a half hours to where I'm going. Yes. I'm not going to be able to do that without coffee, obviously. <laughs> no, I don't think you will. I won't have the freedom <laughs> to do that without coffee. Or the mental capacity. Or the mental capacity. <laughs> you know that firsthand that I can't do shit until I drink my coffee. Yes. So, yeah. This show, once again, is brought to you by the official coffee of free speech, the official coffee of me getting the fuck out of here and taking a vacation. Run your mouth coffee. Yes. The coffee of vacation. The coffee like of freedom. The coffee, like, without freedom, without America, do, do any other countries really get vacation? No. no. Do they have vacation where they can just go? Do communist countries get to just, like, disappear into the woods no, for they, like a week they really don't i no? mean if they are it's to be shot <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to disappear into the woods in communist exactly. like the soviet union um vacation was siberia they took a lot of vacation uh, siberia they did they? yeah they did <laughs> yeah not many people came back but yes right. <laughs> again like i said this show is brought to you by freedom loving run your mouth coffee check them out order coffee from them so you can Sleep less, be more productive, enjoy your more vacation time. I, I feel like they should film you trying to get all the like do a montage of trying you trying to get all this shit together, you know, and then like you gotta get get two hours of sleep and then get on the road and 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 you know and just like cut then all of a sudden it like mouth cough. everything's like in fast forward <laughs> yeah. motion, then all of a sudden it slows down. Yeah. It just slows down to run your mouth coffee. Yes. <laughs> America's vacation. There you go. I like it. <laughs> How are we not getting paid for this shit? <laughs> I know it. I know. Go to rym <laughs> rymcoffee.com. Tell them that we sent you by using the promo code because they got to know that we sent you because we have to give the be giving the best promotions oh my gosh, yes. over anybody else not that's even sponsored close. by them. Tell them we sent you with a promo code break the bell all one word get 10% off your order. And then experience all those discounts and all the fun stuff and the, f the the delicious coffee. Absolutely. Run your mouth coffee. America's vacation. Is that what I said? Yeah, America's vacation Okay. Coffee. I couldn't <laughs> remember what I just said. <laughs> all right. That's about it for that. We're going to get into tonight's show. Tonight, I wanted to kind of to branch out a little bit, to, to dig a little into history because we haven't done that in a while. Yeah. And I enjoy digging Definitely. Historically, this whole show, as we've said several times, was based around the premise originally, initially, our thought process to start a show was because we saw everybody giving up all their like civil liberties, yeah. their personal freedoms and stuff in the name of fear of this this covid virus, fear of um like toilet paper shortages, right, you know, right. um, getting laid off from a job. Yeah. So we just started handing out those liberties or like handing it away yeah. and saying, hey, you know what? Government, take care of me. I don't need some yeah. of these liberties. I I would like that $1,200 stimulus check. And right. so we saw in the early days, we recognized that right away. Immediately. Immediately. We, we saw that. And yeah. like-minded people, I'm sure, saw it. Mm -hmm. Now we're to a point over a year later where... Not only are individuals like accepting the the fact that they got to give up some of these rights, but they are also insisting that other people give up their right. rights in the name of what like um, public safety right. or what's yeah. um, 
um, like national security is right. a big one that people give up their rights for. Yeah. So I decided, you know, since we're all about like trying to force people into this or trying to pressure people into giving up their personal rights, because but you're you're just fucking selfish if if you right. want if you value your personal rights over like the good of the whole, you're right. you're just selfish. When it comes down to it, your personal right is your personal rights and liberties are like the foundation right. of the good of the whole. Yeah. So if you don't have your personal rights, there is no good of the whole. Yeah. And and you should be fighting for everybody's freedom as well right? as the right to party. Right. <laughs> exactly. These D boys laid it out for us. <laughs> yes. But it's like, you know, because if you don't have your freedoms, then what the fuck does it matter if you have your right. health? Right. Exactly. Right? I mean, what's life anyway? So right. we're going to get into this episode. Before we say too much, we're going to start. We're going to dig into some examples in history where personal freedoms were stripped away in yep. the name of like national security yeah. and, and all the examples are from right here in the U.S. Yeah, we're not going to like communist Russia no. or we're not going to like Nazi Germany or yeah. anything. It's all U.S. examples yeah. protected and by the Constitution within the last one hundred years too, right. or one hundred yeah. and some years. Yeah. So not that long ago. No. So. We're going to dig into some of those those examples, and then we're going to tie it right back to what's going on and let you know why we're getting a little extreme with some of these examples, because yeah. there's a reason for it. So right. hold on to your asses. Hold, wh- who is it? What's it on where he's like, hold on to your butts? No, what's Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, yeah. yeah. Samuel. Samuel Jackson's yeah, like, hold, hold on, on to your butts. butts. This is going to be a fun one, because... I like history. I Definitely. like I like digging into history because that's how you prevent history from exactly. repeating itself. If only everybody else felt that way. This may be a shorter <laughs> episode, like I said. I don't know how long this is going to yeah. go. Or it may be a long episode. Who knows? Who knows? We might surprise you. Yeah. We're going to get what? it. We're done actually now. Right now. <laughs> See ya. Have a great week. Um, check us out all over social media. That's the only other thing I have to say. We're going to get right into this intro. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's, Let's go. Let's do it. What did you say? <laughs> You talking to me? What what the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby! Did you just say? What did you say? You listen to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? All right, Bill. We're back. We are. You know, I've had the song stuck in my head all day today. This one? Yeah. By the wayside. Yeah. At the wayside. At the wayside. <laughs> At the wayside. Yes. You don't even know the name. I know, but at this song, you know, I if, don't know the words either. But it was stuck in my head. Are you? Oh, jeez. That's our show. Your phone is going off. It's our yeah. show. It's our show. Uh, was... At least it's our show. But I can hear my show. I know, I'm sorry. In real time, right here. I don't need you to play it for <laughs> us too. If you don't know who this is, if you haven't heard who this music is and you enjoy it, this is the band At The Wayside. They are friends of ours. They would like your support. Go find them on Spotify or social media and stuff. This is their latest 
a track from their latest EP, which I don't remember what that's called. So, no. <laughs> but they are at the wayside, and yes. I really like their music. You do too. So, do. go find them, support them, support small bands, support local bands, all that stuff. So, we're gonna get into this episode. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's Let kick get, this pig. Let's kick this. You're you're just gonna keep saying that since <laughs> I introduced you to that phrase I'm yesterday. Not, I am. Yes. Let's kick this pig, indeed. So, as we got in, started to say, this whole kind of finding, like, I, I found all these articles titled, like, Finding the Balance Between Civil Liberties right. and Public Health, which yeah. is one that I'm looking at right now. This one is what I'm going to kick this pig off with, because right. this is from CNBC, and it's titled, The COVID-19 Response Must Balance Civil Liberties and Public Health. And you're going to find... We probably don't have the same opinions as some of the things that we read right. because we believe that you can't have balance without the civil liberties. It's not like, hey, let, we're te teetering on an edge here. It's it's not like one or the other. It's one is the base of the other. Right. So, um, again, we'll probably call out some of the bullshit on here, but let's just see what this has to say yeah. just to, to get a little it's bit of information. A little perspective on A little perspective, yes. So this goes on to say, this starts out saying, would you be willing to give up your individual right for the sake of the common good? Bill? No. I No. Start it, starting out yeah. good, right? Yeah, so far, so good. Again, I don't think there is common good without individual rights. I All think right, absolutely. you have to now, have one to have the other. Let me ask you this, though. Mm -hmm. All right, I know we're just getting started in this article. So the fatality rate of COVID... Right, we is what uh, point zero. You're going to ask me exactly what I was going to ask you. I guarantee. Okay, it. go okay. ahead. Though. All right, point zero zero. Uh, what four percent? Mm -hmm. I think is or six percent. What if the fatality rate? Damn, <laughs> Damn it, Bill. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm just I, all day long, uh, all day long. I was going to put you on the spot with this question. <laughs> what if the fatality rate was like thirty percent? I don't know because yeah. I was going to put you on the spot. I, with I know. This question. I know. I like. Again, I. That's a, that's quite a different a story, though. I think it is. than what's happening, and it it is hard to. It's hard to really go there because yeah. I don't like if you go back to like the bubonic plague where yeah. the death rate was much higher because we didn't have the me medical health and stuff like that. Right. Would I support people getting like literally locked in their house, not like, hey, stay home in, unless you need to, but yeah. it would come down to, hey, you, you will stay in your house or you could get arrested right. or what have you. I don't know. You go first. What do you think? Well, I, I think in that case, I mean, it, it's, your, it's your personal health. It's mm -hmm. the health of your family, right? And it's, it's like if they're like, look, you need to stay in your house, um, you know, we'll, we'll deliver food or whatever. Or if you're going to go out, you need to put on your hazmat suit, right? Right. Or, or, or say... Uh, I guess if you don't have personal health, you don't have personal rights. So right. you should be protecting Or your... say, like, there's a, a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> mm. And they're like, if you're exposed to the the air, you could be turned, right? I mean, or, or you know, or they have to, like, close, wall up cities because it's gone too too far in that particular city to protect the rest of the country. Right. Um. You know, at, at that point, you know, I and I think I think you and I, we both see it as the same thing with this is that, again, the fatality rate is so low 
that the government is just they're they're taking advantage of it. They're they're playing with the numbers. They're playing with science. If it was a higher number and and it truly was the health like of the population and ourselves, right? I I guess at that point I would be like, okay, I I will follow some rules. So my, I guess my follow up question to that is, if the fatality rate is you have a one in three chance of dying from this. Do you think they'd have to have rules, or do you think people, most people, just be like, "I ain't going outside"? Well, no, you're right. I mean, exactly. And and who's going to maintain that? Right. You know, I mean, who's <laughs> Who, gonna who's, who's gonna patrol the streets? Sad sap that has to walk the streets right. amongst the the dying, right? The yeah. leprosy, the, the piles of bodies. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I guess you know, at that point, it's like you know, if you're seen outside, you'll be shot on sight or something like well, that. I think I think society just falls apart at that point because I, I think so too. You're not gonna have, I mean. As much as they get paid or don't get paid, they're not going to be paid enough to put their lives right. in that much risk You're to, absolutely to right. maintain the streets. Yeah, and a two th- or a third of the police force is going to be dead anyway. Right. So you're already down. Yeah. Third of the military's dead. Right. I mean, okay. I, let, I, let's back the number up to ten percent. Uh, well, either way, I think yeah. I think people are smart enough to make those decisions. When it yeah. comes down to high numbers like that, right. I, think, I don't think you'd have to make laws well, to say, hey, stay yeah. in your... No, I agree. Yeah, I think, like you said, common sense would tell you, logic would tell you, okay, this is what I need to do for, for the good of me and my family mm-hmm. and and to make sure civilization survives. Right. And, but looking at, again, the fatality rate being as low as it is and the fact that we can just feel like they're jerking us around, mm-hmm. that it's just like... No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna comply with this. Sure, you know, right? If you have a health issue and you're worried about it, you lock yourself up, like we're saying with the one in three chance. Right? Yeah, people will lock themselves up if yeah. it's a threat to them. Right? Exactly. All right, let's get into this article, and we can continue with that after this article because yeah. I had a section specifically set aside for that, <laughs> and I have some other questions and stuff too. Okay. After this I'll article, I'll see if I can guess those too. So it says. What, Like I said, would you be willing to give up your individual rights for the sake of the common good? That's the question that citizens across the world are facing in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. According to experts spanning law, public health, and privacy policy, it may be wrong to question... It may be the wrong question to ask. Instead, they say we should be weighing the specific kinds of information that health officials need to do their jobs, whether there are less intrusive alternatives and whether there's evidence that these approaches will work. That's interesting to me because they're saying, would you be willing to get vaccinated or wear a mask or do? And what they're saying is, are they taking that step to ask, are there less intrusive options that that don't invade your personal freedoms as much and still will get the job done? Are we looking like minimal and then increasing as as we need to? Or are we just going straight to the top and being like, lock them in, shut down the businesses, Mandate vaccines across the board. Right. Are, are we looking for some of the, these other approaches? It says, once those questions are answered, we need to forge ahead in a way that, per, uh, that preserves our privacy and civil liberties as much as possible, while ensuring that there are safeguards in place. It's vital, they say, that powers granted to the governments during times of crisis do not continue once the COVID-19 crisis is over. Right. That is the key. It's vital... That these powers that we give them or so willingly give up, it's vital that they give them back after it's over. Right. But when we have a situation like COVID that keeps mutating and they keep warning about another variant coming, right. they're keeping us in this perpetual state of crisis. Right. 
And we we know from history, and we'll get into some of this, that they don't give back that power once they take it. And right. if they do, they don't give it all back, yeah. the whole new normal thing that we've talked about so many exactly. times. The best way to balance public health with civil liberties is with evidence, said Lawrence Gostin, a professor of global health law at Georgetown Law. Gostin has extensively researched how to strike a balance between two camps, including during prior health crises like the HIV-AIDS epidemic. Gostin notes that if there are ways to leverage interventions that are voluntary or less restrictive, they should be considered. It all begins with science, but it also requires proportionate responses that are not arbitrary or draconian. And we hear all the time that these lockdowns are draconian and these lockdowns are this and that. And he says, and we need to maintain the public's trust. And that's one thing that they've lost is the public's trust, at least probably a third of the public's trust. At least. He also shared the criteria that he considers with any new public health intervention that could jeopardize an individual's rights. Is there scientific evidence that an individual poses a significant risk? Is the intervention the least restrictive possible to achieve the public health goal? And that they keep nailing that point home. Is this are we going about this the right. least restrictive way? Not the most restrictive way yeah. or just guessing as we go and just hoping lockdowns work. Are we taking this at, right from the bottom and working up? Are the measures used likely to gain the public's support and confidence? Does the person have access to due process to challenge the intervention? And the last question, is the measure arbitrary or discriminatory? Some red flags. It talks about the start of the crisis. This is interesting to me. The start of the crisis, Chinese authorities use software to sort citizens into color-coded categories. Hmm. Red, yellow, and green, corresponding to their risk level for having the virus. Those in green had most of the freedom of movement. Yellow and red meant that citizens could find themselves barred from entry to eateries and shopping malls. Does that sound familiar to what's going on with the Very. vaccines? Yep. We're not talking about necessarily risk level here. Yeah. We're talking, but they can change that risk level to the risk level of whether you're vaccinated. Right. Exactly. Two va- two boosters, three boosters could put you on a different color code Absolutely. scheme. Right. Where you. If you have no none, you have, are very restricted mm-hmm. on where you can and can't go. Yeah. If you have one booster, maybe you can go to, like, um, like the grocery store. Or right. Some of those. What did they call the the places we could go during the lockdowns? Right. The the critical or whatever. Yeah. Um. Then all the way to the top, the most boosted people can go about oh, their happy lives. Right, go exactly. to parties, sports games, parties, yeah, parades, Obama's birthday bash, right? All those things. Says this is the kind of big data that experts like Austin have not encountered before in prior pandemics, and it presents new challenges as well as opportunities. So we didn't have all this data spiraling around during other pandemics. That's right. what makes it di- this different: is we can track people based on their phones, based right. on um, their uh, social media, social posts. media check-ins, and all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm gonna scroll on down. To this section, it says, violating civil liberties can backfire. Really? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> Tools that are overly intrusive to people's civil, civil liberties can backfire. During the HIV-AIDS pandemic of the 80s and 90s, for instance, Bayer argued in his research papers that public health and privacy rights did not need to be in opposition. Because of the stigma surrounding the disease, he explained, good public health respects civil liberties in anything that advances human rights. So you can't have good public health mm-hmm. without advancing 
civil liberties. Right. Like I said, those go hand in hand. Right, absolutely. It says, advance human rights and civil liberties and would advance public health. So one advances the other, the other advances, advances the one. So I, this is in kind of, this guy here at least, this Bayer, mm-hmm. is at least in agreement with what we said at the beginning. Right. One of the big issues at the time was the idea of doctors reporting the names of HIV patients to the states. Some states refused to accept name-based reporting, so for years, because they feared that it would discourage people from getting tested. So that's the backlash, they're ta- or the backfire they're talking about. They're like, well, we need to expose all these names for the good of for health public reasons, health, for right. public health, but that just led more and more people to not go get tested, which we can for understand it. that. Yeah, we've talked about that ourselves. Yeah, yeah. With this here, like, yeah, I don't want to go. Even if I have a cold, I don't want to right. go get tested, and then them find like a random virus right. in my nose, and then all of a sudden, right. I'm yeah. on that list. So yeah, it, it does. I I can see that. It says another controversial topic was the effort around so-called contact tracing, which is being proposed as way to fight COVID-19 today. In many cases, public health officials would notify an HIV patient's past sexual partners that they may have been in contact with someone who had the disease, but never identified the name. It says, we learned that if you intrude on privacy, you will, counter, you will be counterproductive in terms of controlling the epidemic. So, again, that led more and more people to not get tested or right. treatments and stuff because they don't want that information floating around on the internet. Mm-hmm. And now today, um, we have, like this talks about South Korea, has a system that sends an automatic alert to no- people in the area of known COVID-19 cases. Wow. And it like talks about how it reports age and gender and whereabouts and stuff. So you could pretty much right. figure out who that person is without right. them naming who it yeah. is. So... It, goes on down it says consent is key modern approach to contact tracing can be designed to protect privacy it talks about the contact tracing apps on your phones that you had to opt into so to consent to them it goes on there's some stuff on down that i was most interested in let's see if i can find it though where did it go shit (laughs) (laughs) hang on i'm gonna find this Okay. Talk about what what we've been reading here, though. Like how how about the about yeah. New York or no about that that article there? Just um, how it can be counterproductive. What are, what oh. are your thoughts on all of that? I mean, we oh, talked no, about absolutely. it plenty of times. I mean, people people don't want the government to track them. I mean, I think this is that is one of the main reasons why you see a lot of minorities, mm-hmm. a lot of um, African American and Latino people, which are the higher demographic that are avoiding the vaccines right from getting the vaccination or from getting um tested because they don't trust the medical system or the government to to have that information what are they going to do with it you know i mean ever since world war ii nobody wants their name on a government list mm-hmm. right i mean anybody who's smart does anybody who reads their history right does not want their name on a government list yeah. right and so absolutely i mean it, people avoid the, the contact with the government simply because of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're going to avoid tests. I mean, they're going to avoid... And it, and I've said, I think with you, like, unless I'm on my deathbed, I'm not going to go to the hospital. I don't go to the hospital unless yeah. I'm on... I don't stay home sick unless I'm on my deathbed. Right, yeah. Let alone go to the hospital. Right. I mean, maybe that's... 
I people say that's oh that's American culture. We're pressured into going. To, I don't feel pressured. I don't to go feel to work pressured at. either. I just don't want to lay around on my ass. Yeah. Because I found that if I feel that I'm getting sick, the best thing I can do is keep doing what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. If you lay down, you're gonna feel like more shit. Yeah. Yeah. If you kind of submit to the sickness, you get yeah. more sick. Uh, unless it's unless it's like you know, like serious flu or mm. you know something that I you know is contagious or high fever. Sure. No, I, I mean if it's just a cold, yeah, I'll go into work. Right. You know. So I found what a, the part I was looking for. Okay. It says Ronald Bayer, that same guy. I kind of jumped around here. A professor at the Center for the History and Ethics of Public Health at Columbia sees potential in using new technology for public health surveillance to get ahead of an infectious disease outbreak. But he also warns that there may be examples of countries using the threat of a disease as a pretense to justify authoritarian impulse to amass power. Wow, what's He's the warning odds? that there's countries doing this? Yeah. Is he beating around the bush <laughs> right. and saying that maybe this country here yeah. is doing well, I'm that? I'm not going to mention any names, but... And technology can be used as a tool for that process. He also notes that the measure introduced during emergencies cannot easily be dismantled. So we talked about how after the crisis, it's key that they give back that power. Well, this guy here is saying, yeah, these things can be good and useful, but it's not easy to undo them once that crisis is gone. Number one, I mean, you and I work with cameras. Mm -hmm. One of the things that the camera video industry has been pushing is that they have cameras that can pick up on people with fever mm-hmm. you know and, this, and that's something that they're they're promoting right so yeah i mean get a couple of cameras out around town all of a sudden bam there's somebody with fever walking around and they have like like uh analytics that can basically figure out who this person right. is too, yeah exactly pretty easily right somebody goes pays them a visit or maybe you know pulls up and and throws them in the back of a van i mean you know that the possibilities are endless there mm-hmm. As far as releasing the powers, I think we all learned from Star Wars that the Emperor did not do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and also, anybody who has power does not release it. it no. That's it just that's just human nature. It is. Like, once you're given the power, especially the government, once yeah. they're given power, it's hard to get that back. Right. So, like I said, it says introducing these measures during emergencies cannot be easily dismantled. It goes on to say this is the good part. Consider the September 11th terror attacks. Now we're getting extreme here, Bill. Yes. We're getting... I knew we'd get there. Yeah, we're getting really extreme on our comparisons. Yes. Which fundamentally changed air travel for good. Many will recall how it became a lot more challenging to get through security. Heightened fears also led to the Patriot Act, which gave the federal government vast new investigative powers that it claimed were necessary in the fight against terrorism. Yeah. A terror attack and a pandemic are vastly different. We know that. They're two totally different things. Theoretically, But both present opportunities for governments and the private sector to take on new powers in the name of keeping citizens safe. That is where yes. I'm going to stop with this article because that's what I want to talk about there. I don't want to keep talking about COVID yeah. that much. I want to talk about these, like health issue or health concerns, public health concerns or national these security. national security concerns causing the government and private sector to take on these powers in the name mm-hmm. of keeping us safe. Yep. Because we've seen that so much yeah. in the last 12 months. Right. We've seen a lot since 9-11, which pe- I think that's an example a lot of people can relate to. Even oh, yeah. if they were born after that, they're, st- they're still living in post-9-11 yeah. right. <laughs> like yeah. pressures and like uh, rules and stuff. Yeah, and 
yeah, and that's one of the things that is is never even with the you know the demise of Osama bin Laden, you know theoretically, right, <laughs> uh, or hypothetically, um, but they've they've never let loose on the Patriot Act. On the contrary, they've strengthened it, and now they're looking at using it against you know domestic threats. Sure, right. So. As you said, they need to release it. They haven't released it. They've just held on to it and now are redirecting it. So, I guess, do we... I mean, they said a pandemic's far cry from a terrorist attack. And we're talking both public health concerns and national security concerns. Is there a difference? Is there a time and place where it applies to one but doesn't apply to the other? Or is it virtually the same thing? Um, like, let's take like a nine eleven incident or something yeah. like that, or an even bigger terrorist attack right. that that's going to happen or could potentially happen. Can we apply the same things we're saying to that? Like, um, or like where they decide to start rounding up some of these extremists without right. due process and stuff. Oh, I, mean, I can absolutely yeah. see that because that's what they're that's what they're trying to tie the anti-vaxxers to. Mm. I say anti-vaxxers with quotes because they're not anti-vaxxers. Right. Um but that's what they're trying to tie it to. They're trying to tie it to right-wing Republicans. I I always see on MSNBC. Uh Republicans are cheering the lack of vaccine numbers, right? Mm. And so they're trying to take this and put it towards off the momentum of January 6th, saying that these are extremists that don't want to get vaccinated and that it's that these are causing the, this huge threat against the people. Right. So you asked the question about if the pandemic was worse. Right. Would we think differently? So I'm going to push that on the national security side. Is there a time and place where... Like, martial law should be necessary. Or, like, stripping... Because martial law is essentially just stripping right. civil rights yeah. in the name of national security. That's all martial law is. Right. We did a whole episode on martial law and what yeah. it is. But at the end of the day, all it is is taking your rights away in the name of national security. Yeah. Is there a reason or a place ever where we should implement martial law? Um... Boy, I, I would say no, just because again, once they have that power, they don't release it. Mm. Um, you know, you let the government come in and force and military force, and they implement curfews and and they distribute food or whatever. Right. And um, no, I, I just think that that's you're, you're looking at authoritarianism at at its best when it's in a martial law system, mm-hmm. even with the. The protest that went on last year, even with the Chad that was going on in in uh, Seattle, no, no, don't no. send don't send in the U.S. military for that kind of what stuff. What if society is breaking down all over the country like a Chad incident, but it's like spreading nationwide? Still no, you, or you just let them let the people sort it out. I, you let I, the I local think you got to let the local people sort it out. You got to let you know. You got to let the like, for instance, in Seattle. Okay, the the mayor should have done something. She did not. Mm-hmm. The governor should have done something. He did not. So at that point, they just let it go. Now, if they if they reach out to the federal government, they're like, look, we we can't do this. You guys need to come in and do something. Well, then, 
that's on the that's on the state level then i mean that's their their problem for letting that happen right i would say personally no there's no reason why the federal government should come into a a, a city or province and and take it over like that um it, it should be a local issue okay I, I I can kind of agree. I'm kind of on the fence because I've never really stopped and thought about it. Yeah. I know we're both talked about, hey, no martial law. Right. What are you guys talking about? None of this. But And we're all against like the, the masks and all this bullshit that's coming down yeah. for this like 0.01% chance of yeah. dying. But have we ever really, have you ever really stepped back and thought, hey, if this is like a 33% chance of dying, right. would we feel different? We've never really thought about it that way. No. So that's why we don't really have too much of a set answer because right. we're just kind of thinking yeah. through this as as I we're mean, recording right now. I mean, say that, uh, say they're like, look, Cedar Rapids is a danger zone, mm-hmm. right? That That the virus is spreading too fast and we need to contain you guys. And so they move in U.S. troops to block off any exit way to get out of the city, right? And they say, look, food will be distributed. You guys need to stay in your homes. They're implementing curfew. I mean, what would be your your reaction to that? I'd be pretty pissed off. Right? It'd be almost like they're sentencing us to death. Right. Because that, I mean, that's basically just putting all the diseased together to just disease and die together. Yeah, right. And but that's where they'd gotten where it's like, look, we need to just cut you guys off because you're just done. And the healthy people that are still here can't get away from it, right. so they're stuck here just to destined to catch right. it. Now. Accessible loss. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's a scary thought, but I mean, I guess you got to think about things like yeah. that. I do want to get now into some of the examples in history of when, for the good of the whole. Okay. rights were stripped away. And w- there's not a lot of health examples out there because there right. hasn't been too many pandemics besides like the the 19-whatever, 17 flu. Mm-hmm. And before that, there hasn't been too many pandemics where yeah. they've had to strip rights away because of it. But there are plenty of examples of national security right. in our history, in our recent history, where they're like, hey, we got to take away certain individual rights of certain people for the good of the whole, for for safety, right? For for the safety and the national security here to protect the homeland or the motherland, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it these days. Like I said, the first example we're going to start most recent, more recent, I guess, is post nine eleven because again, everybody can relate to post nine yeah. eleven because we are living post nine eleven. We're still fighting wars until for the next month in right. Afghanistan. Yeah. We're still seeing, like, the TSA ramped up at the airports. You still hear the, if you see something, say something at the airports. Yeah. All, uh, the, all that stuff. And I'm, I'm sure they're going to ramp up security with the 20th anniversary of 9-11 just around the corner. I think we've all been affected by the surveillance that went on post-9-11, even, even yeah. like, younger kids, because, I mean, that shit was still going It's probably still going on. Oh, absolutely. But Edward Snowden... Was like ex- exposed people what in like oh like 2010 2012 somewhere I in think there it was 2012 so any ten year old right um, was alive during that yeah. that time so we all have some kind of experience post 9 11 yeah so that's where I want to start with this I I got a few articles and we're just gonna talk we're we're just gonna yeah. ch- chew the fat Bill do you have you heard chew the fat I have, have heard you, that heard one. that one yes okay. that Good. one's coming. you haven't heard kick the pig but you no. have heard chew the yes. fat so I'm gonna pull up this one this is from AA.com. AA? AA.com. 
Um, this is titled U.S. Power Abuse Since 9-11, Wars, Torture, and Illegal Acts. Okay. And again, these people can listen to us here and they're like, I cannot believe they're comparing 9-11 to what's going on right now. Don't worry. There is a reason for all of this. Yeah. I will get there. I we'll we'll wrap this back around and tie it up in a disgusting shitty bow. So it says detention camps, wiretapping, surveillance among forms of US power abuse since September 11th, 2001 uh, terrorist attacks. Says so this was last year. This is 2020. So this article's a little old, but we get the point from it. It says yeah. it's been 19 years since the US was attacked by jets flying into concrete supposedly and government buildings. Attacks which ushered in a new era in fear and national security state. Years when the abuse of U.S. power took a massive turn to the detriment of millions of people worldwide. After the world's strongest military and economic power declared an unjustified global war on terror, the American people more and more gave away their liberties in exchange for security. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound like something that we've been trying to hammer into people's heads for for over a year now? Yes. More and more Americans gave away liberties in exchange for security. And the U.S. government seized that opportunity to the fullest, abusing the deaths of nearly 3,000 innocent Americans who have lost their lives in the terror attack. So basically everything that's happened is a spit in the face on those 3,000 people that lost their lives is what it's saying. Yeah. As suggested by Thomas Hobbes' classic 17th century treatise on government leviathan the american people turned their republic into a strong unitary state with absolute power which in return waged wars engaged in torture and jealousy jealously guarded its secrecy all in the supposed name of public safety there's that again Mm -hmm. in this article we reviewed the top five abuses of power by the u.s government since the september 11th attacks and how they shaped the u.s society and the global order in general i'm not going to go through all of these um, five abuses, I'll, I'll read them, but I'm not going to go through them because we don't have time to g- read through everything. The first one is the Mideast War, which we all know, the perpetual 20-year right. war now. Right. We all know that that should have ended a long time. That should have never happened, right? and it should have ended a long time ago. Yeah. Number two is the torture in Guantanamo Bay and Abu Ghraib prisons. I didn't even know about that one. Illegal kidnapping and the detention and torture of people by the U.S. government, whether Americans or foreigners. So it's not just people we know are terrorists. These are American citizens that they've shipped to Guantanamo Bay. Do you know why they took them there instead of keeping them here? Well, yeah, no due process in Cuba. And they can get away with completely... There's no human rights because they're outside of... There's no American rights because they're outside of the borders. Yep, yep. So it's like, hey, we can do whatever the fuck we want because we're no longer... On American soil. On American soil. That alone is... Scary. It shouldn't be allowed for us to detain people somewhere else. Because if this was on a U.S. embassy, it would follow U.S. Yeah, and Guantanamo Bay is... I mean, it is a military base. It's a U.S. military base. So that is considered American soil. says the Guantanamo Bay detention camp at a naval base located in Cuba has become synonymous with torture, a dark... Hole where individuals were detained indefinitely and often in poor conditions without any charge or trial. Like you said, no due process. U.S. government offenses in the camp were harshly criticized by the Amnesty International as well as 
being against the Geneva Convention and for violating the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments of the Constitution. So in the name of public safety, right. we just threw the fucking Constitution out the window with this Guantanamo Bay. Right, absolutely. With the, the right to, uh, like, speedy trials, the right mm-hmm. to, like, search and, like... Yeah. Like, warrant... I, I, I don't know. I can't think of all these, but all these... Rights for due process right. are thrown out the window. Right. Constitutional yeah, rights. E- illegal search and seizure. Yeah, that's Illegal wiretapping. Legal search and seizure. There you go. All these things go out the window. Yeah. And, again, some of these, it doesn't even matter, but some of these were U.S. citizens. But that yeah. shouldn't even freaking matter. We're right. U.S. citizens treating other people right. inhumanely yeah. in the name of public safety. Says the Abu Ghraib prison in... Iraq was another notorious facility where U.S. military and CIA personnel committed a series of human rights violations against detainees, including physical abuse, torture, rape, and murder. Did not know any of that. Really? You didn't hear about that? No. Really? The horrific image released by the media in 2004 resulted in widespread condemnation within the U.S. and around the world. But then President George W. claimed implausibly that the abuses were isolated incidences that were not committed system systematically. So, oh, it's just a one, one, right. two, one or two things. It, With, but, uh, but without any oversight, there's yeah. no way to prove that. Right. So the next um, example here is illegal detention, which again is kind of on the same lines mm-hmm. as the Guantanamo Bay. But even further than Guantanamo Bay, there was illegal detentions here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Wiretapping and surveillance says many U.S. government agencies, such as the Defense Department, FBI, and Homeland Security, have stepped up their spying on people in the U.S. around the world in the post-9-11 era, joined by the CIA. Although the CIA's role is to gather intelligence from foreign nations, it has performed numerous unauthorized operations on U.S. soil on American citizens to gather information. Following weeks after September 11th attacks, U.S. government agencies illegally detained, gathered, and questions, questioned thousands of Muslims in the U.S. without any formal charges or trial, while their testimonies were never secured. Do you know why all this was allowed? You know why all this went on? Because they were scared? And it's because the general population... Didn't know anything about it. Well, the ones that... I, I remember this. I know yeah. this stuff. Everybody here is just like... Oh, that damn Muslim! He like we oh, right. we all had those same sentiments towards those people. Yeah. So we're like, yeah, arrest that Muslim up the street, that right. that freaking towel head or whatever, because he's probably one of them. Right. We allowed this. Right. Because I mean, there's strength in numbers. We right. could have prevented oh. this, but we were all brainwashed to the same mentality. Like, oh yeah, for the good to protect us from another terrorist well, attack, we that, gotta get that and the the thought that oh well, this is this is America, right. Right? This is our country. Right. Well, that and and we we don't we won't. It's not U.S. citizens. We don't unjustly punish U.S. citizens. <laughs> but it's, it was. it's all threats. No, yeah. I know that. But that's not. What, you know, you don't you don't know about the you know, um, you know the the guy down the street that that works at the the engineering place. You know, who's been in the country for ten years on a work visa. Who's a good guy, but um, you know, I don't know. He has some connections. You know. With people that may be loosely family, connected, right? Yeah, family members over in Afghanistan. Right. So or... he's coming home from the supermarket, and and they pull up in a black van. They they black bag him, throwing him in the back, and nobody know his family doesn't even know what happened to him. Yeah, and they can detain them indefinitely. Absolutely, absolutely, and separated probably 
if he was on a, a visa, like you said, he's probably deported yeah. back to where his country. His yeah. country. I got. Um, there's a story right here that I was kind of uh, looked on before the show, but it, it uh, gives a narrative tale about this guy who um, was applying for immigration, trying to do it the right way, and uh, he walked into um, Homeland Security. And then they sent him upstairs, and they said, you know, look, your lawyer d- did some paperwork wrong. I'm sorry. And then they ended up detaining him for seven months. Oh, be- wow. Before they sh- shipped him off to his country, back to huh. his country. And so it said, um, so this says, um, the U.S. Patriot Act, the National Security Entry Exit, the registration system um, have been targeted towards thus disproportionately affecting Arab, South Asians, and Muslims. And it says, in 2002 and 2003, special registration program required male non-citizens above the age of 16 from 25 different countries to register with Homeland Security as a measure of counterterrorism. Um, 24 of these countries had predominantly Muslim populations. Out of the 80,000 who registered with DHS under the Special Registration Act, um, 13,000 were put into uh, deportation proceedings. Wow. Yeah. So, again, that just... Makes people circumvent the laws, right? Or not like the the AIDS patients not getting tested, right? Yeah, they're not going to go register because of yeah. fear that hey, we're going to get locked up or right. yeah, it's a it's a weighed system. They're going to find some kind of problem with my paperwork, even if it's fine because I fit in a certain demographic, and they're yeah. gonna they're gonna lock me up for seven months and ship me back to my country. Yeah, and like I said, I you remember the weeks after. The months or the year after, everybody was, like, in full support of this. Like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. do all this shit. Take all these rights away. Keep keep this from happening again. Oh, yeah. Because fear was high. Yeah, you remember we were on high alert because for months after that, it's like another one's going to happen. There's potential another one's going to happen. That's when they implemented the color codes. We were up at, like, level red for— For a while. Yeah, and I, I remember I was working for a, a different security company, and I got called to go to the mosque, the temple downtown, because uh, they wanted full cameras, full fire alarm system, because they were afraid they were going to get firebombed. Mm-hmm. And so we were sitting there, you know, working on everything. And, and even as I was working in the mosque, it's like, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, am I going to get am I gonna get shanked <laughs> while right. I'm working yeah. here? But yeah. then even that, I was working with a guy from Chile. And every place we went, people would be like, hey. Where's he from? Yeah, I remember that. Like anybody of darker to- toned mm-hmm. skin. Oh, is, is he one of them guys? Yeah. Is he right. a terrorist? Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, everybody was in full support of just locking him up. Well, if, I mean, if they didn't do anything wrong, they're just going to let him back out, right? right? Who cares? Yeah. Like we say before, if we say it all the time, if they, if you allow them to do it to them, to those people, mm-hmm. they now can do it to you. Yeah. It can switch on a dime just like yeah. that, and they can just come up with whatever threat, yeah. whether it's domestic terrorism like we're seeing today, whether it's a, um, a public health threat. Yeah, They can do it the same to you because you allowed yeah. this. And, and you're seeing that now. Yeah. All those, those right-wing you know, people that were like, hey, you know, I don't care. Muslims shouldn't be here anyways, right? Right. Well, now all of a sudden you're on the other end of the spectrum, and mm. all of a sudden you're considered a threat. Right. And they're listening to you, what you say. And it, it's like, well, you allowed this to get yeah, to this point. Exactly. So this article goes on to a couple more, more points. It says that another one was censorship and secrecy. Fourth on the list comes censorship, which the U.S. government used to tamp down critical voices in the U.S. media. While Washington tried to prosecute some journalists who were critical of the war in Afghanistan and Iraq, 
academic intellectuals questioning the rise of government abuse and loss of civil civil liberties were also targeted. So they targeted like the reporters, they targeted the the academics, anybody that spoke out on this stuff, who spoke against the wars, mm-hmm. and so they they just put a target on them. Says the Patriot Act signed into law by Bush within weeks of the attacks. On October 26, allowed the FBI to watch hundreds of thousands of Americans without formally informing them. Oh yeah. Although most, almost none of them had any connection to terrorism whatsoever. So yeah, y- y- it was free reign to just like go through your files, yeah. watch you. You're on watch list for no reason. Well, and that's that's what they used to to listen to Trump and to bug Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, far away was the whole Watergate thing. You know, where Nixon got ganked for you know bugging rivals' rooms and whatever. You know, they were listening to Trump because they th- felt like he was working with the Russians, and they were they were listening to his conversations. Sure. Yeah. So. And I mean, there's all this shit with September 11th. We can compare. Oh yeah. So much with this, but I mean, the Patriot Act is basically still around. Yeah. The. And, and I would be willing to bet if you interview, um, or or survey Americans, the the vast majority would be in support of the Patriot Act. You think they still are? I, th- I think they really? still would be. Absolutely. I, th- I think more people are coming to terms with, hey, that was a shitty thing to do. I would hope so. But I think it's going to take probably a few generations to get to look back yeah. on it and be like, how the hell did we allow that? How the hell did we allow Muslim people to just get arrested on the streets yeah. just because they were Muslim Americans? Right. Citizens of this country, no arrest warrants, just picked up, yeah. thrown into a dark hole somewhere yeah. in a CIA freaking holding cell, yeah. questioned or tortured or whatever, waterboarded, who yeah. knows? And, and I mean, as far back as, what, three years when I was taking my, my ethics of criminal justice, that was a question, was the Patriot Act. And I was the only person in a class of 22 that said that it was... Really? Yes. That is insane to me, that yeah. only... that. Yeah, it one in twenty mind. people has a problem with this. Yeah, what was their their reasoning? Was it well for Se- the good of whatever for security? Well, I'm not doing anything wrong. Why should I care? But neither were m- the majority of the people that got picked up. I know that's the problem. I know. Yeah, you can say I'm not doing anything wrong. Uh, who cares if they're listening to me? Yeah, but they don't care if you're doing anything yeah. wrong. If it keeps the country safe, then I'm okay with it. That that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, but that that brings us to where we're at now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> let's let's move back in time. Yes, to a little further back in history, when like another people. Like a, yep, yeah, we do. <laughs> like a, a flashback. Yeah. Another example, similar, very similar to what happened to the Muslims after uh, post nine eleven, was how the Japanese were treated post or during, during. Po- post Pearl Harbor. I guess. Yeah. Right. There so, you go. Yeah. Post Pearl Harbor during. World War Two, the entire time of World War Two, people had who had nothing to do with the attacks on Pearl Harbor. They weren't flying planes. They weren't right. even in Japan. Yeah, some of them, some of them actually were serving in the military mm-hmm. as their families were being put in camps. Yeah, well, some of them joined the military just to not get yeah. put into these camps. Yeah. So, this article is from Con Ac- Academ. Uh, ConAcademy.org. So it it's just kind of like a little uh, academic article here. So it's not like a news article. It's just kind of like a, a research paper almost. So it talks about Executive Order 9066, which was by Franklin Roosevelt in 1942. 
It says, in February 1942, uh, President Roosevelt issued Executive Order 9066, which authorized the Secretary of War to declare certain areas within the United States as military zones. That doesn't sound so bad. No. It says restricting access to those areas on the grounds of wartime military necessity. So they just found these military zones as, hey, these are important. We can't have people around them. Yeah. That turned into or was <laughs> cover for like whole entire sections of like California. The whole coast was considered yeah. these military zones. And the people affected it primarily were Japanese American citizens. They got first they're moved out of those areas right. and then they were interned is what they're called. Yeah. Put in internment camps, which is another is a nice flowery term for imprisoned. Right. Because it's not like it was a hotel or something like that. It wasn't like, hey, we're gonna house you over here to make up for you losing us. No, they were putting like camps yeah. with barbed wire fence right. and not allowed right. to leave. Yeah. Says the president's order came less than three months after Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor. So similar to George Bush's um the the Patriot Act. Right. Weeks after 9-11, this order came weeks after Pearl Harbor. Amid concerns that Japanese-American citizens might pose a threat to national security. There you go. So in the name of national, national security. security, we can strip these citizens. Yes, they're of Japanese descent. Right. But citizens right. of their basic right to live. Yeah. And they're in the houses they own. Yes. These concerns were driven by public hysteria grounded in racism and false reports of sabotage and collaboration with the enemy. Yes, there's racism involved here, but that public hysteria is mm -hmm. the key here. I'm sure it was very yeah. similar to post 9/11. It's like, yeah, get that guy out of here. Yeah. He that he's one of them. You know, yeah. like like you said about the the guy from Chile. Yeah, it's just like, oh, that guy. Yeah, probably from like. North, like South Korea, or right. which yeah. was just Korea at the time, the right. Korean Peninsula, and it's like, oh, he's one of them. Yeah. He's he's a Japanese. Yeah. We, we got to get him out of there. from the Philippines, yeah. or something. Yeah, anybody that with any kind of characteristics of Asian descent it says under the executive order, some 112,000 Japanese Americans, 79,000 of whom were citizens, so about That's a third insane. of them, about a third of them were citizens. Yeah were removed from the West Coast and placed in 10 internment camps located in remote areas. Japanese Americans were given only a few days' notice to report for internment. So it was, wasn't a slow process. Right. It's like, get them out of here now. Yeah, right. They had a couple days after the order came out. Many had to sell their homes and businesses for much less than they were worth. In doing so, they lost much of what they had accrued in the course of their lives. So, again, giving up their, their mm -hmm. livelihood, their whole life. The camps, like one at Manzanar, which I've read, I read a book about the Manzanar I did too. camps. Yeah, I can't I did remember too. what it's called. I just know Manzanar was in it. It yeah. was a really good book. It was. Um, located at the foot of the Sierra Nevada mountains, were surrounded by fences, barbed wire, guard towers, searchlights, and machine guns. Does that sound like internment? Yeah, it the nice sound flowery like the word internment. Camp. Yeah, no, it's it's imprisonment. Yeah, it's, it's no better than the concentration camps. Yes, they occupied. Their enforced idleness by organizing, uh, it says families were incarcerated in camps, lived in un uninsulated cabins or converted stables. So they didn't even get like barracks or anything. They right. were in like stables and barns and shit. Yeah. Says they occupied their idleness by organizing schools, camp newspapers, by running barber beauty, sh barber and beauty shops, and more. A small number were cleared for work outside the camp. So it's basically, um, like. 
low security prison. Right. Yeah. Like not not like Max where you're you're like in isolation yeah. and stuff. Like the low security prisons where mm-hmm. you can like go out and get yeah. like jobs and shit. So probably be like, oh well, you you've passed our loyalty <laughs> test, so you're allowed to go work, you know, within this, but you got to report it back after work. You can't go anywhere. Else. Right. It, it goes on to say Fred. Korematsu was an American-born 23-year-old. So he wasn't even born in Japan and came here and became a citizen. He was born here. Um, he was a welder of Japanese descent living in San Francisco Bay Area. In '42, he was arrested for failing to comply with the order for Japanese Americans to report to internment camps. So he's just like, fuck it, I'm not going to go. Right, yeah. With the help of the ACLU, he sued on the grounds that as an American citizen, he had a right to live where he pleased. Makes sense. That's how we all feel, right? That guy's a fucking hero. Right? In a 6-3 decision, the Supreme Court ruled that interning Japanese Americans during the war for purposes of military necessity was constitutional. Wow. So not only... Not only... Because we always talk about the bullshit executive orders and how the president just throws them around. Yeah. This was the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said this is constitutional now. So how, how they made that... Yeah. How they got away with making that shit up, I don't know. In his dissenting opinion, Justice Frank uh, Murphy Frank Murphy asserted that Frank Murphy is from uh, uh, Bill Burr's cartoon comedy. Oh, um, really? What's it called? Um, I can't think of it, but it's Bill Burr. Um, God damn it, I can't. It's a really good show. F okay. is for family. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. His his name is Frank Murphy, so that's funny. That that threw. Sorry, that distracted oh. me. <laughs> Justice Frank Murphy asserted that the internment program goes over the very brink of constitutional power and falls into the ugly abyss of racism. A little bit. He added, I dissent, therefore, from this legalization of racism. Racial discrimination in any form and in any degree has no justifiable part whatsoever in our democratic way of life. And this is in the 40s, so you know there's still a ton of racism going on. Yeah. It is unattractive in any setting, but it is utterly revolting among a free people who have embraced the principles set forth in the Constitution of the United States. It wasn't until 1984 that federal courts overturned that guy's conviction. Wow. 1984, and that's when— That's insane. The, 40 years? In 1984 is when they um, gave the reparations for the Japanese people. Okay. They, they came out with a law where they gave like each one like family like $20,000 or something. $20,000? Yeah. Jack shit for right. what they went through. Yeah. Probably doesn't even cover the cost of the house they sold right. or anything. Yeah. So mm. I, that's really all there is to say on that that one. There, I had another one. Let me make see if there's anything I wanted to say in that one. But again, you see, American citizens. Yes, yeah. yes, they look like the enemy. Right. But again, American citizens who constitutionally, supposedly, according to the Supreme Courts yeah. in our checks and balance system, constitutionally had their civil rights taken away mm-hmm. in the name of national security yeah. as the Supreme Court. This, yeah. these, this is for military purposes. Yeah. Yes, it's constitutional. It's yeah. okay. And it wasn't like, I could see, it would still piss me off, I could see if they're like, all right, nobody can be live in these areas here that isn't like military because it's so important that the coast, we got to protect the coast. We right. can't have any, yeah. any just... Like citizen living yeah. here, I could, I could right. see that, I yeah. understand that. But to say, for military purposes, everybody that looks Japanese has to get the fuck out right. and yeah. be imprisoned. Right, right. That's the other step too. I mean, they could have just said, "We got to relocate you guys, yeah, somewhere else for security reasons." That alone is pushing it. But 
they had to be imprisoned for yeah. this for just looking like the bad guy. Yeah, right. Which is what we saw post 9-11. Imprisoned, questioned, detained, whatever, because we look like the bad guy. Yeah. So I um, some of the stuff from this other one, I don't necessarily need to read it, but I talked about how this one said two-thirds of two-thirds of them were U.S. citizens that were relocated and put in internment camps. Two-thirds. So anywhere from a third to two-thirds. Still, that's a lot lot of people. Either way, it doesn't fucking matter. And the other thing was that they were forced into forced labor. So they basically became slave labor. Was it Farewell to Manzanar? Is that the book you read? Yeah, I think. Yep, that was it. Okay. So it says, following the Japanese attack... Approximately 120,000 Americans, two-thirds of them U.S.-born full citizen. So there's kind of conflict between the two articles. Um, They're not a huge number. No. The government calls this process internment or relocation. And this article actually goes on to say, Scholars and Asian-American activists have recently called on the public to substitute the correct terms of imprisonment or incarceration and forced removal, not yeah. these flowery terms of relocation yeah. and internment. That's just whitewashing this and yeah. making it look better than it is. Right. Says, after the outbreaks of the war, the West Coast politicians and military officials um, pressured fre- uh, President Roosevelt to evacuate and detain Japanese enemy aliens, is what they called them, enemy aliens. So the okay. bad guy. They look like yeah, the bad guy. They're right. the bad guy. Well, and you remember all the propaganda um, from back then. I mean, yeah. you could see it on the old Bugs Bunny cartoons right. or whatnot. You know, I mean, slanted eyes, big sharp teeth. Oh, yeah. You know? says the West Coast was seen as militarily vulnerable, and California had the largest Japanese-American population in the country. In February of 42, Roosevelt signed that executive order. says, um... Government planning focused on the need for manpower on the home front, particularly harvesting and planting crops such as cotton and sugar beets, because we lost a lot of our manpower to the war. Right. Completing infrastructure improvements and producing combat necessities, including camouflage netting. Not long after the ink dried on Executive Order 9066, the War Relocation Authority, as well as state governors and military officials, placed priority on locating prisoners prison sites in areas with shortage of agriculture labor or in need of workers to build and repair structures like irrigation ditches or help private corporations build and repair. You know what that sounds a lot like is the uh, Uyghur Muslims in China. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, relocating them to camps, having them, you know, work on masks and and stuff. Yeah. And it's going on around the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. but, but, we, but we did it here first, people. <laughs> yeah. It says, once Japanese Americans were removed from their homes, internment quickly morphed from a defense measure. So, hey, we got to relocate these guys for the good right. of national security. Yeah. Morphed into a forced labor program. Because yeah. now we have this labor shortage. Right. We have idle hands sitting at the internment camp. Might as well use it. It says, although they were paid, skilled laborers received $16 a month. Oh Unskilled received 12. Their rates were well below the prevailing market wage for similar jobs. So it's it prison, prison la- work. Prison yeah. labor yeah. is what that turns into. Yeah. Pennies on the dollar yep. to do the same work. So that's that's where we... Uh, another example. Yeah. I mean, is it comparable to... I mean, is it extreme example of what's... Compared to what's going on? Yes and no. <laughs> because I... We're not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows where it's going to end up? Right. And we're going to get there. What time is it? We are due for a break, so I got okay. 
One more example in history. Okay. And then I'm going to put the bow on it. All right. Because we like the bow. We, I love the bow. Because I don't want people being like, and I don't think any of our listeners are probably going to be like, that's stupid that they're comparing yeah. um, Japanese internment camps to having to get a vaccine or, or all this well, COVID stuff. Don't worry. We'll get there. We will get there. We, we there will. is a reason why I'm comparing this, because there are sentiments that go this extreme. Mm-hmm. We're going right, to get right into break here. We're going to be gone probably just a couple minutes is all. And when we come back, we are going to talk about that. I mean, it, it's any, any stripping away of human rights for the good of the people mm-hmm. is a problem. Yeah. And I like that that article pointed out what we were saying, right? that they go hand in hand. Personal rights and the public good, right. you can't have one without the other. Right. Like, you can't have public good if nobody has any rights. Right, exactly. So, let's take a break, Bill. Let's do it. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Um, hold tight. We'll get back and we'll finish this thing up. Talk to you in just a second. Let me find my buttons. Have you ever thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remso W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. From learning about financial independence, to new ways to develop rugged individualism, to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real, but actually are, go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remsa W. Martinez at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remsa W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. All right, everybody, we are back. I hope you enjoyed your break. Like I'm going to enjoy my week-long break. (laughs) My, my five-minute break was nice compared to your week-long break you're about to have. <laughs> Bill, did I tell you I'm going on vacation? I think it slipped out of your mouth did once it? or twice, yes. I'm, I'm yeah. getting away from this. I'm going yes. to nowhere yes. and doing nothing. Well, I'm going yes. to do a lot of fun oh, no, stuff. You're gonna do, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be like ziplining, do a yes. zipline canopy guided tour thing. That'll be awesome. So like a two-hour yeah. like zipline guided tour. We're going to do like canoeing, hiking, all that fun stuff. Yeah. All the stuff that you don't have here. Right, yeah. That, that I, I you're think not canoeing up north. Yeah, that's not the same. It's not the same, Bill. I'm going on vacation. Yes, and so. I, I'm glad for it. You need a vacation. I, I definitely do. I, I do so much. I can tell that that 
vein in your forehead pops every so often. <laughs> it's like, dude, he needs vacation. Before I get to vacation, though, we got to finish up this episode because we we will not let you guys down. We no. refuse to let you guys down. Even though I'm not going to be here this weekend, Bill is going to step in and do a solo episode. I yes. I mean, I guess I can't promise he's not going to let you down, but I, I won't. we're not going to let you down. You're going to get Bill unfiltered. We're not going to let you that? down. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think my brother said, suggest you need to do a spinoff called Bill Unfiltered when really? we first started this thing. So nice. um, we're not going to let you down by not giving you content. We're just going to let you down by giving you content from Bill. <laughs> <laughs> no. We 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 promise we made this goal to keep this thing consistent, and we've done a good job. I don't think I we think missed. So. I think we were late, like two hours late once posting yeah. an episode we, we after did the derecho. That's right, yes. Because I had to like upload it from yeah. like, well, a hotspot on my phone. Yeah, we had to go someplace like that had power but and internet. We still got it out yeah. the day that we're, we yeah. promised we, to. We so. did one that was a, a day late. And did we? Yeah. That um, was a weekend wrap-up. We got yeah. it posted on a Monday, because yeah. we recorded it late Sunday, and it posted right. Monday. Well, or, we recorded on Tuesday. We no, we recorded on a Monday, because it was like a three-day weekend or something, and you yeah. were gone. So right. it was still technically the oh, weekend. Okay. Okay. It was still All the right. weekend. Right. So Fair enough. Fair enough. We never make a promise of a day for the weekend wrap-up. We just say yeah. it's on the weekend. So if right. it's a long weekend, right. we and can it. release it on the weekend. There you go. So let's get back into this bill right. minor sidetrack we've been talking about if you haven't been paying attention we've been talking about giving up your rights in yes. the name of the common good in the name of public health in the name of national security yes three different things they all go hand in hand it's all in the name of safety government sponsored safety you know like love the, it. the government's so good at keeping us safe how many we talked about the about Guantanamo Bay and the, the tortures and stuff. How many people did they convict with those, all oh, those tortures? I don't know. I, very few, if any. Yeah, it was very few. I mean, they ended up releasing many of them after, you know, years mm -hmm. of, of torture. As, according to some articles I read, I don't know how recent, there's still 40 people there. Really? I feel like that's, that's dwindled still, since then, but still, that's yeah. a lot. How many people do you think the NSA has caught since they've ramped up? Oh, jeez. Since they've ramped up security at the airports, how oh, many yeah. terrorists? I, I should well, say. Well, but but then you look at their, you know, they don't want to profile, so you know they're they're checking grandma and they're checking the three year old in the stroller. So, the correct answer, from what I've heard, recent stats is zero. Oh, I believe that zero Absolutely. terrorists caught by the NSA. Yeah, all our rights, civil rights. Yeah, all of us getting felt up at the airport. Yeah, zero people caught. Yeah, so. That government-sponsored safety that we are promised. Yes. Yes. In the name of giving up our rights. So we're going to get back into this. We've told a, a couple examples in the past, extreme yeah. examples, right. obviously. These are the most notable examples, but they're things that we've really, we can connect with, especially, like I said, post-9-11, we can yeah. connect with. The World War II thing. Almost everybody's kind of heard of that because right. they're still living people. Absolutely. There's still people they're, like that were affected by that yeah. that are still alive. Yeah. And and again, you look at each one of these incidents and, and you know, the, the in history and each one is a springboard for the next mm -hmm. and the next and the next and the next leading us to where we are now. Well, I, I had said that uh it take a couple generations for people to look back on the horror of it yeah. of like post nine eleven. 
and how they treated like Muslims and people like that. The way we look back on how they treated the Japanese right. during World War II. Yeah. It would take a couple more generations to completely forget that that ever happened. Right. So yeah. two generations from now, I'd say, people are going to look back, and I think the majority of the people are going to be like, that was really shitty. Like, right. now you're saying one in 20 people are saying, no, no, the, the Patriot Act is a bad thing. Right. But I think probably in a couple generations, maybe um, we'll come to a realization. But then in two more generations, they're going to forget well, that anything in, in ever two happened. Two more generations, if you say, well, I think the Patriot Act was bad, then you're going to get disappeared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the reason I say that they'll forget about it is because, like I said, we all remember 9-11. We all have heard about the Japanese after World War II. Right. Very few have heard about the treatment of German US, US like German Americans right. during World War One. Yeah. The majority of people don't even know what World War One was fought over, let right. alone the That's people true. that um um were affected by it. So yeah. again, uh, four or five generations, you completely forget the right. shit. Yeah. The Germans were treated as bad as the Japanese, if not maybe even worse, like German Americans. Right. Um, so I'm going to read just a little bit about that, and we're going to talk about that just because, I mean, it's something I hadn't really even dug into before, really heard right. of much, and I have German background. Right. Yeah. So you think I would have heard some of this stuff, and right. I, my family was directly affected by this, and I'll tell you why after I read this article. Okay. I know that for a fact, but I didn't know when and why. But now it's clear to me why. Interesting. I was affected so you had a, like a like a revelation for your family. Yeah, interesting. So this says during World War One. This is from NPR. It's not from the goats and what was it? The goats and uh, milk? No, soda. No. Goat goats and soda. soda. It's just yeah. NPR's direct. Yeah. During World War One, U.S. government propaganda erased German culture. There are some stuff here that completely blows my mind, boggles my mind, and I it might you, but you're a history buff, so you may have heard some of the yeah. stuff. But it blew my mind. So I'm going to pull this. Uh, NPR article up says this week marks the centennial of U.S. entry into World War One. So this was written back in 2017. Okay. So, hundred years ago from 2017, that week marked the centennial. Okay, a conflict that shattered empires and cost millions of lives on the American home front and made this country less culturally German. Today, when the question of loyalty of immigrants has again become contentious, so this is. Tying this to immigration, right. not so to probably what Trump was doing at yeah, the time. It's not tying it to what we're talking about. Yeah. This is tying it to immigration policy. So I'm going to scroll is, past that bullshit. Which is ironic that we can now tie it to this. Yes, <laughs> going to scroll past all that bullshit because that's not the stuff I want to talk about. I'm I, this isn't talking about whether or not we should allow immigrants in our country. This is right. talking about smashing personal rights. Yes. Hang on. I cannot find my fucking spot. Mm. I highlighted the stuff and the highlights disappeared. Oh. Bear oh. with me for a second while okay. I find why, my spot. While you find that, I okay. have this. This is from our friends at Lions Liberty. Posted this on Facebook. Okay. This is the Nuremberg Code, which, do you remember the uh, Nuremberg trials against the Nazis? Yes. So this is a code that came up out of that, okay, to be applied um, across the board for militaries and governments. Mm. The voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. This means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent, should be so situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element 
of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion, and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision. This latter element requires that before the acceptance of an affirmative decision by the experimental um, sub, uh, let's see, experimental, the method and means by which it is to be conducted, all inconveniences and hazards reasonably to be expected and the effects upon the health or person which may possibly come from his participation in the experiment. The duty and responsibility of ascertaining the quality of the consent rest upon each individual who initiates, directs, or engages in the experiment. It is personal duty and responsibility which may be delegated to another with impunity. So this is Nuremberg Code in response to human, human, ex- experiments. human experiments yeah. and human all the, the crazy shit they did right. to like the Jews and stuff during the Holocaust. Right. And yeah, I can see what you're applying there, that we should have full knowledge of this and be able to decide right. on our own whether we <clears throat> participate in it. Because essentially the vaccine is an experiment. But when you get people like Gavin Newsom saying, hey, you guys can't right. understand right. what's going on here. Yeah. So then we're not getting the knowledge to make those because they're right. telling us we're too stupid to understand exactly. the, the data. It's not even like we're too dumb to understand what's in these vaccines. I don't expect a scientist to yeah. tell me every like um, right. every code and, yeah. in, in the, the vaccine. But when there's Gavin Newsom's thing was we're too stupid to understand the data yeah right right. the data about all this so they need to make these decisions for us because we're too stupid right so i mean yes that applies yeah i mean yes extreme examples the holocaust versus vaccines but yeah by definition or reading that straight straight as it is that applies so i found my spot okay so it says it was a remarkable reversal of fortune. Germans were the largest non-English-speaking minority group in the U.S. at the time. Did you know that? I did not know that. The 1910 census counted more than 8 million, 8 million first- and second-generation German-Americans in the population of 92 million. So you're hmm. talking almost 10% yeah. of the population was first- and second-generation German. That's not even accounting for German-American families. It talks about that came here in colonial times that right. just— Settled here back when the country yeah. was founded. Says they were Catholics and Protestants, Lutherans, Mennonites, Jews, and free thinkers of no religion at all, just every, across the board. During the 1850s, 900,000, almost a million people, uh, Germans, came to the U.S. at a time when the German population was only 40 million. Wow. So a million out of, so 140 Germans yeah. migrated to the U.S. during the 1850s. So a giant wave then. They often worshipped in churches where German was used. They could live on city streets or in towns with German names. And while many immigrants assimilated into English-speaking mainstream, many others sent their children to German-language public schools. Says Ledford said, Cities such as Cleveland, Cincinnati, St. Louis, and Chicago gave parents the option for their children in elementary school to receive their instruction in German Hmm. in in some of these major major U.S. cities. German was the lingua franca of the literary scene. It says of entertainment scene and of theaters. So it wasn't like French or and right. like the majority of people that studied foreign language mm-hmm. studied German back then, not right. French and Spanish. Which, which is, is the, crazy because German is an ugly language. <laughs> it really is. 
The social life of the community was lubricated with the beverage Germans brought from the old country. Lager beer was drunk in was was drunk was drank in cold in beer halls. Beer put German on a collision course with the temperance movement. So I oh, I, I see that, but right, sure. Says legal historian Paul Finkelman says nineteen fifty in nineteen fifty nineteen fifteen about 25% of all high school students in America studied German. So a quarter wow. of the population of the U.S. studied yeah. German. German was the Spanish. Yep. But by the end of World War I, that had changed dramatically. German had become so stigmatized that only 1% of high schools even taught it by the mm. end of World War I. How many years was World War I? Started mm. in 17, ended yeah, in, uh, I think it was only like like two years, three years. Yeah. So in even a span of yeah. five to ten years That's to go huge... from a quarter of people studying it to less than one yeah. percent. During the war, there was an argument that if you learn German, you will become the Hun. So they referred to the Germans as the Huns. Hmm. So, I mean, they, they weren't the, the Huns like you. Right, like Attila, like Attila the Hun. right. It was like Hungarian. No, they they re- comparing them to Attila oh, the Hun. Oh, gotcha. They, they called gotcha. them the race of barbaric raiders. Oh, gotcha. So now the Germans went from like large chunk, like one in ten chunk mm-hmm. of culture, to now they're barbaric gotcha. raiders. Okay. Can you see how that kind of compares to like post-9-11 right. or, or yeah. any any of these situations we're talking about right. where we isolate one group and they're Villainize like... them. Yeah. So you can take a look at like the communist scare in the 50s yeah. with the blacklist where it's like, right. oh, there's all these infiltrations in Hollywood and right. government and the military. So right. they started blacklisting, kicking them yeah. out, not letting them work unless they gave up like the names of 10 of their co-conspirators right. and stuff. So these raiders, these invaders that have been in this country for c- centuries now, right. Right. they're now raiders and trying to take over yeah. the country. So like I said... The argument that if you learn German, you'll become the Hun. So not even being German-American, but if you learn German, you are the Hun. Finkelman says, using the pejorative term for anyone from Germany, and there was this notion that the language was somehow organic to your soul. So if you spoke German, you would think like a German. You would become a totalitarian in favor of the Kaiser. So just from speaking German. right. For the first three years of the war, the American people were divided over getting involved. When members of minority groups spoke against entering the war in support of Britain, including some but not all German-Americans, their patriotism was questioned. Mm. So if they spoke out against the war, they're no longer a patriot. Right. Kind of like you saw that with the Vietnam War, yeah. with the hippies like speaking out against all their anti-American. Right. You still get sentiment from the old-timers that were like, oh, those, those an- anti yeah. American hippies. Yeah, right. Yeah. Talking about who's that female singer that was oh. against the Vietnam War. No, I uh, you mean Jane Fonda? Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. She's, she is anti-American, but yeah, she is. <laughs> maybe that's my old-timey. Um, <laughs> no, she is. <laughs> says, after Pre- President Woodrow Wilson took the country into war, he said, so this is from the president himself. Yeah. Who is a racist? Any man who carries a hyphen about with him. A hyphen? Carries a dagger that he is ready to plunge into the vitals of this republic when he gets ready. He calls them hyphen-Americans, so German-Americans, wow. German-Americans, wow. Mexican-Americans, wow. Japanese-Americans. Any, yeah. Anybody who carries a hyphen with them carries a dagger. Wow. So That's... Uh, ready to plunge into the vitals of the republic. Yeah. That's extreme. That's a little bit, yeah. yeah. And I, we haven't even gotten into the that? taking of the way the rights and right, stuff. Yeah. It's just, this is just the sentiment towards it. Yeah. 
I don't like the and, Well, compare that to, again, extreme comparisons, but you got the, the top brass of the greatest country, the, the right. most powerful country in the world, Joe Biden. I, I got to call him the top brass because... Yeah, that's what... That's what he is. Even. Yeah. Joe yeah. Biden, when he says things like, we only have a pandemic among the unvaccinated. Right. Automatically, the top person in the United States just yeah. stigmatized everybody who does not want, does the, not want the vaccine yeah. or can't get the vaccine. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, it's not exactly the same sentiment, but mm -hmm. <laughs> words have power. Absolutely. Especially coming from powerful people. Right. And especially someone who sits at the top of a party of the country and you already have people that are scared to death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're going to take it. Says... Hans Kunwald, the concertmeister of the Cincinnati S Symphony Orchestra, was interned. So some there were German Americans interned, right. or as we said, incarcerated, right. imprisoned. The German language was forbidden. The German American press was heavily censored. Libraries had to pull German books off the shelves. That's crazy. So getting rid of the German American press, nobody could report German American sentiments. Pulling books off shelves. German-American organizations were targeted. We see that today, post-9-11. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what happened, of course, is German-Americans considered themselves to be good Americans of German extraction, several generations removed from the old country. So they don't even, like, have German sentiments. They're right. not, like, pro-Germany. They're just—they they are Americans with German descent. Yeah. right says the demonization of German-Americans took its ugliest turn in Collinsville, Illinois, which is now a suburb of St. Louis. On April 4th, a German immigrant, Robert Prager, was lynched. So hmm. he even, like, the whole way, they, they stripped him down, it says, put a rope around his neck, paraded him through the streets naked. They broke beer bottles in front of him, so he was, like, stepping Walking on glass. glass. As he gets there, he is, like, literally on his knees kissing the flag, like, swearing mm -hmm. allegiance to America. Got lynched anyway. Wow. So that's that's where this went. Yeah. Just because you looked or sounded German. like the bad guy. Yeah, because you learned German in school. Yeah, because the whole—for the safety of the country, because mm -hmm. even though the even though Germany wasn't really yeah. in any direct threat to yeah. us— right. Yeah. Because you look like the bad guy, it's a, safe, a safety concern for the common good. Says the community is well convinced he was disloyal, a p newspaper article said. The city did, does not miss him. The lesson of his death has had a wholesome effect on the Germanists of Collinsville and the rest of the nation. Wow. Says years later in, memoir, in his memoir, the editor who wrote the article would call the trial a Farcical patriotic orgy. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Says while historians differ on what effect this had on German Americans, Frederick Lubke, author of Bonds of Loyalty, uh, says a few reacted by asserting their Germanness with new vigor. So it actually pushed pushed more people towards their, their Germanness. German okay. But that he adds sense. others sought to slow off their ethnicity as painlessly as possible. In the anti-German hysteria of World War I, the assimilation of German-Americans was accelerated, and being a hyphenated American would mean being suspect in nativist eyes for decades to come. And that mm. extended all the way into World War II. Oh, yeah. Like, because then Germany was involved in that war again. Right. And so I'm sure as it maybe slowed down a little, World War II kicked off and it ramped yep. back up. Yep. 
So I don't know how many were interned, but there were people interned or imprisoned. Let's just call it what it is. They were imprisoned imprisoned. for just just for being German. Right. Just for looking a certain way. Or having German roots. Yeah. Or speaking German. Or you were isolated even if you wanted to speak German. Uh, I'm sorry. Were you you eating Spatzel? (laughs) Is that sauerkraut I I smell? Well, they should be incarcerated just for eating sauerkraut. That stuff's disgusting. That that is gross stuff. So here's some uh, propaganda that went on during World War I. Hun or home? Buy more liberty bonds, obviously. So Hun, calling the Germans Huns, like either you're for Germany or you're for the homeland, as they call it. Yeah. Um, There's this one that says, don't talk. The web is spun for you with invisible threads. Keep out of it. Help destroy it. Stop Um, think, ask yourself, is what you were about to say might help the enemy? Spies are listening. Wow. Yeah, that sounds very similar to, like, yeah, post-9-11 stuff. Like, you don't know where the enemy is. They could be anywhere. Say something, say something. Yes. It says, because Germany was one—this is from History.com. Germany was one of America's adversaries— in the war, many Anglo-Americans began to fear that German-Americans were still loyal to the Kaiser or the German emperor. Suddenly, German-Americans became hyphenated Americans because of the president. He stigmatized them and made them basically less right. American, Yeah, stripping them of their rights of being American. Just for saying that. Just because of a hyphen. Who suspiciously practice their own traditions instead of assimilating those suspicious German practitioners? Eating raw beef for Christmas. I mean that. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> gross. Any man who carries a hyphen about him carries a dagger. We read that one. With the war, German Americans became a perceived security threat. There you go. The threat to mm. national security. The threat to the common good. The threat yeah. to public health. They also got a new nickname. This is where it talks about the Huns, the number one American term. In the First World War was Huns. The Huns in the Middle Ages swept into the plains, Attila the Hun, and of what is now Russia invaded Europe. And that term became associated with Germans. According to the stereotype, German-Americans were a race of barbaric raiders who spoke a language other Americans couldn't understand. <laughs> that's, so, that's so American. <laughs> it is, yeah. I don't know what you're saying. All this anti-German sentiment did was two things. First, it motivated Anglo-Americans to push back against anything German. States banned German-language schools and removed books from libraries. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Some German-Americans were interned or incarcerated. incarcerated. And one German-American man was lynched. We talked about that. Secondly, in response to this, German-Americans began intentionally assimilating to avoid becoming targets. They changed their names to English-sounding ones, mm-hmm. renamed German streets, and began to speak German only in private in public, they spoke English. As a result, most Americans descended from German in- immigrants don't speak the language or practice German cultural traditions, like beer after church on Sundays. That That's sounds a- like a great German tradition, <laughs> which Anglo-Protestants considered immoral. Of course they would. Rather, they have become part of the category of white Americans. So the part that affected my family was that changing of the names, because my okay. last name is Schmolt. Yes. My last name descended from Schmolt, S-C-H-M-O-L-D-T. Gotcha. Schmolt. At some point, I'm assuming now, during World War One, the German C-H sound was dropped to just sure. Schmolt, so it didn't sound so German. I knew it came sense. from not sounding so German. Yeah. I'm assuming 
most likely it came from World War One when all the Germans yeah. started changing the name to more yeah. English sounding names. Yeah. Well, so I, I'm pretty sure the same thing happened about filter. Yeah. Because it's it's German origin. Really? Filter yeah. is? Yeah. What do you know what the origins are of it? Um I believe uh it could be Silter or Hitler. Oh. <laughs> I am going to immediately start calling you Bill Hitler. Oh, thanks. That, would, that, that is great. your new name, Bill William whatever. Yeah, it was it was Hitler. Sittler? Sittler? It's definitely Hitler. S- yeah. Okay, thanks. <laughs> There's no other options. So, again, we don't really hear about the German... Yeah, the German scourge in right. America yeah. because it's so far in history right. that they don't really teach it. It's been forgotten, and again, so many generations have gone by that. Yeah, we don't really talk about that. I mean, we still talk some about the Japanese stuff, but we you really don't hear too much about no. that even anymore. No. It's probably going to disappear pretty soon yeah. because all the World War II vets and people that, of that age are d- dying off. Yeah. By the herds now. Yeah. So I think that'll be forgotten as soon as that generation dies right. off. Yeah. But again, it, it's history repeating itself. It's it like, is. hey, we want to be safe. We yeah. don't care about their rights. Right. Get rid of their rights for the good of us. We right. want to be safe. Keep us safe. Yeah. And get rid of their rights. Right. Exactly. Or get rid of our rights in some yeah. instances. Yeah. So. Are these extreme examples, Bill? I don't think so. No? I, I don't. Whenever you take the rights away from some one person for national security or the health of the good, the um, collective, I, I think, I mean, they all are basically the same thing. So you don't think we're over-exaggerating by comparing this to, like, 9-11 or the internment of Japanese or anything I, I, like I that? I don't. Not, not with what people are saying out there. So... I wanted to get into what people are saying out there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> You're welcome for that segue. That Yeah, that wasn't intentional, but it works out. What people are saying that scares the shit out of me Yeah, to is, make is our, me think. Is our feed okay? I don't know. Why? Oh, I don't know. My my phone keeps uh, going into buffer mode. No, it's it's fine. Okay, just my well, phone. Well, it says error. YouTube is not receiving enough video. Even though it's playing video from here, it looks like it's playing fine. Okay, okay. So I think we're good. Okay. No, that's cool then. All right. Now let me get back to my train of thought. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's fine. So what people are saying that scares the shit out of me to make me think that this could easily head that direction, and it's not just us being selfish and not wanting to get vaccinated, that they are going to eventually... It's coming that the unvaccinated are going to be um, the ones who are looked down, like second-class citizen. Right. So here's the first. These are mostly op-eds, but this is what people are saying, and they're posted in public places like sure. Washington Post and places like that. So they're being allowed to be to say these things, which we're fine with free speech, so say it, but the right. fact that you're saying it scares the shit out of me. This first one is titled, Would You Wear a Mask to Wipe Out Terrorism? Mm. It would be easy to take aim at bad guys killing people in the night, so why can't we do it against an even deadlier enemy? This this is ridiculous sounding already. Who, who, wait, who, where is this from? This was posted on Patch.com, so this okay. isn't a big site, but this these, like I said, are just op- right. op-eds. It says, if there was a terrorist cell that went around the country shooting people, would your reaction be outrage, sadness, or dismissive? Imagine that there is a terror cell 
using the cover of night to shoot 3.8 million people and kill more than 140,000 within the U.S. borders in six months. Many of the deaths are soft targets. People live in nursing facilities or people who are already sick, but terrorists take their victories where they can get them. Yet there are also strong, healthy people who get shot and have to go to the hospital. Some die, some don't. Some are left with lasting scars. And others are only beaten up a little but don't require hospitalization and only need to stay home for a couple weeks. But every night... In nearly every state, without being seen, more than 15,000 people are randomly shot in the U.S., and more than 1,000 are randomly killed. The president rightfully declares himself a wartime president. Rightfully declares himself a wartime president. This is now a war on terror. Wow. Are there any among us who wouldn't holster up to fight terrorism in our streets? Are there any among us... This is like... I I can feel like the Star Spangled Banner playing in the background or... American flag waving yes. behind him. Are there any among us who wouldn't dislodge a load of buckshot into the chest of a terrorist entering a nursing facility or grocery store or school building? Are there any among us who wouldn't do their damnedest to litter the streets with the bodies of those who would harm us on American soil? What if the terrorist cell called itself COVID-19? <laughs> and what if the only way to win the war on terror is to wear a face mask? Keep at least six feet away from everyone else and wash your hands. You don't win this fight overnight. It might take months, but it's the only way to actually win the war. Slowly, day by day, wearing the face mask kills the terrorists. The U.S. doesn't have any other weapons to protect its people. It only can rely on Americans to protect other Americans. Would you do your part to protect your neighbors, your children, your parents, and your grandparents? If not, why wouldn't you? Reminder of 9-11. I don't even want to get into the 9-11 section. Right. Yeah, because we've already done that. Because this says, I vividly remember how we all banded together in the aftermath of 9-11. I remember seeing the hijacked plane. What he fails to say is, I remember how we all banded together to strip the civil rights of a certain people group in the name of national security. He's not going to get into that part. No, no. That, that bullshit but, there. But, but he, he's going to get into the beginnings where we all had these... Right. Patriotic sentiments where yeah. we would do whatever it takes, right. including yeah. strip all the rights right. from for, certain people. For like two months, yeah, we were like united. Yeah. And, and like you said, but there there was no end to um, what people were willing to do to, to protect the country. Right. Even to the fact where like the whole Congress, Democrat, Republican alike, gave George Bush war powers to, yeah. to invade a country that had nothing to do with right. what happened. We were all about on board oh, yeah. with it. I Absolutely. mean, I was on board oh, with it. Me too. Uh, the good of the country. Like, Absolutely. fight them terrorists. They Absolutely. hate us because they hate our freedom. Exactly. Go get them. This guy single-handedly tied our situations together here. Mm-hmm. We didn't even have to do the work. He I did know. it. Wow, that's awesome. Because <laughs> he, he brings up, he's like, remember how we all banded together. And like you said, people still see the Patriot Act as a mm-hmm. good thing. Absolutely. And the giving up our certain civil rights as a good thing. Yeah. COVID-19. Wearing masks to fight the terrorists. What do you think of that alone? That that yeah. first one there. Is that, that in itself is, is scary propaganda. We th- yeah, that actually reading that reminded me of those propaganda posters mm-hmm. that we saw from World War One. Mm-hmm. When he's talking, um, would you do your part to protect your neighbor? I could yeah. see that on Absolutely. a World War One propaganda poster. Would you do your part to protect against yeah. the Hun? Yeah. To protect your neighbor or yeah. your children? Wear, yeah. wear a mask to protect your neighbor. Pr- yeah. Wear a mask to protect your children. I thought people would be concerned 
that my comparisons here were a little extreme. That's that's extreme there. Well, and like you say, he's tying it together. He's doing it. He's doing the work for yeah, us. We right. don't even have to do the work. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. This is an op-ed posted on AMP. It's on. It's from the the Herald the Herald Tribune. Herald Herald Tribune. Okay. God damn it! These freaking words are too small. On my phone they weren't small, but they're super small. I'm going blind, people. This one is titled. This is a guest editorial. You ready for this one? Yes. Don't read it. Okay. I want to read it to sure. you because right. I want to see your response. <laughs> In a pandemic, those who refuse to wear a mask are armed and dangerous. Oh shit. Wow. We so we have Biden saying yeah. it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated, but then we get people like this that are actually literally calling the maskless terrorists. Yeah. Yeah. Not hey, you guys are selfish. You are terrorists. Oh. It's fucking insane. Yeah. And that's yeah. the shit that scares me. Yeah. If you saw someone here here we go again. More Drama. Yeah. If you saw someone in your neighborhood firing celebratory gunshots into the air, endangering everyone in the area, what would you do? I imagine that you would feel it is a civic duty to do something. I'd probably be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Saying something to the person is an option, but since the person is actively firing a gun, calling the police seems preferable. So what do we do when we encounter a maskless person in a store, endangering everybody in the proximity? Oh, my gosh. There's no point in calling the police in this case. They won't come. It also is useless to seek help from the store personnel. It's well known by now that even the stores that claim to require masks do nothing to enforce it. Costco is an admirable exception. Are they getting paid by Costco? They gotta be. This ad is brought to you by Costco. What we do is bite our tongues, give these people wide berth, and then worry that they might have exposed us to the virus. In fact, it is not much of a stretch to view these people as terrorists. domestic terrorists. Yep. They endanger the health and welfare of the public and often driven by political ideology and foster fear and worry in the process. Mm. So now we have people on main publications calling people without masks domestic terrorists. Yeah. First of all, they were calling. The first one was comparing the disease to terrorists, and we right. all need to do our part to fight the disease. But now, not only is the disease a terrorist, the people who don't mask up are, are terrorists. Who are these people? They fall into two groups. The first are those who think the virus is a hoax, or little more than a hyped-up version of the flu. The level of intelligence required for membership in this group merits no comment. So <laughs> calling them all fucking stupid. Yeah, right. The second group comprises the bane of any healthy society. They are completely egotistical and have no concern or empathy for people around them. Mm -hmm. That's you, Bill. Nice. Whom they view merely as obstacles to be dealt with in pursuit of their own goals. You know, like your own goals, like personal yeah, freedom. Well, I, I want to, you know, take over the world, obviously. Says... Before the COVID-19 pandemic, these people were most visible weaving in and out of traffic and running red lights or cutting in front of you in line. So are those people terrorists, too? They gotta be. Because I, I mean, I, he just I called always, them the one and the same. I always cut in front of people. You are a terrorist, though. So, so what do we do with this threat to public safety when all levels of our government, misleading from the top as well as retail corporations, refuse to help? At what point is the public entitled in the name of self-defense to start confronting the issue head-on instead of hurrying away and not getting involved? At what point do we start taking action ourselves to offer 
opposition to these people who insist on putting invisible bullets in the air. What do you think of that one, Bill? Domestic terrorists. <sighs> yeah, that one's deep. That one's deep. I mean, you're either stupid or so egotistical that you don't mind putting the lives of everybody around you on. And yeah. you're not just stupid and egotistical, but you are a direct terrorist threat. Yes. Yeah, shooting invisible bullets into in the, the air. air. Yes. Right. So the stigma is already there in mm-hmm. some some pockets of the country because we've yeah. seen two different articles villainizing that are villainizing yeah the maskless and that's just the maskless this is yeah. pre-vaccines we haven't right. even gotten into the topic of vaccines because it's kind of a new thing but right when you get like i said the president villainizing the, the unvaccinated right then you you see where this goes really really damn fast right and you do have different sentiments towards the unvaccinated. Here is one. This is from this is actually from 2017. So this is pre pre-covid. This is just in regards to vaccination in, okay. in general. This one was titled Vaccine Refusal is like tax evasion. I'm okay with that comparison because yeah, right. I don't want either one of them. But basically it's saying it is your moral and civic duty to pay taxes and there are laws in place if you don't, All right. You'll go to jail and get fined. And it literally says if you refuse vaccinations, you should be treated the same way. It is your moral and civic duty to the overall common good, the overall safety of the country, to get vaccinated. And if you don't, you should be fined and imprisoned. Yeah. I say vaccine refusals are like tax evasion, and you should do both of them. Yeah. You should evade taxes and refuse vaccines. So now we are, we're calling for people refusing vaccines to not only be isolated from society, but be, what was that word again? Interned. 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 Yes. For refusing of vaccines. Here's another one. I'm not reading these articles. I'm just reading the headlines just to show you what the sentiment is okay. out there. Because you can say... These comparisons are extreme comparing these to some of these other historical instances. Yeah. But here's one that says terrorists. This was from 2018, so this was pre-COVID-19. Wow. Terrorists. This is after the whole mumps thing, though. Probably, yeah. yeah. Terrorists could use anti-vax conspiracies to disrupt pandemic emergency response. Oh. So Russian terrorists Wow, I didn't are, even consider that. I know, are are feeding us with yes. anti-vax conspiracies disrupting pandemic emergency response. Oh. It's almost like they knew that well, a year later yeah. a pandemic would... So they're sowing these seeds in people's minds. Right. That's crazy. To get this anti-vax... Anti-anti-anti-vaxxer sentiment. Yes, yes. Yeah, anti-anti-vaxxer. Yes. Yeah, so you're, <laughs> you're opposed to... Yes. So people hate, hating on anti-vaxxers yes. before the pandemic even came about by saying... Well, they're just getting this information from terrorists. Again, right. comparing the shit yeah. to Trying to disrupt terrorists. our emergency response. Yes. That's funny. And then my favorite, an op-ed that the Washington Post, one of the biggest newspapers in the country, mm-hmm. allowed this op-ed titled, Anti-Vaccine Extremism is Akin to Domestic Terrorism. Wow. Wow. It's like they're reading our mind. Yes. It says, vaccines don't stop viruses, vaccinations do. This common public health saying means a vaccine does no good if we cannot get it into people's arms. Insufficient of supplies, natural disaster, and bureaucratic mistakes have slowed efforts. But the overall goal of vac- vaccinating a large majority of the U.S. population may ultimately be hampered by the anti-vaccine moment, 
or movement unless steps are taken to limit its impact. So this is using an example, and I didn't even hear about this. In January, in L.A., a mob of anti-vaccine protesters stormed Dodger Stadium. Do you remember hearing about I've this? I've never heard that. One of the largest vaccination centers. How many people who are against the vaccine, getting the vaccine, do you know that are going to storm vaccine places to prevent other people from getting the vaccine? Nobody. Because people just want to be left alone. That's the whole thing. It's like, yeah. I'm not getting your vaccine because I want to be left the fuck right. alone. Everybody I know who doesn't want the vaccine, it's like, you do what you got to do, and I'll do what I got to do. But this is comparing all anti-vaxxers to this anti-vaccine protest yeah. group that stormed Dodger Stadium, prevented the elderly from getting shots, and like held, like slow down the vaccination effort. And then they're using this to say that this is... What's slowing down yeah. vaccine efforts right. is this anti-vaccine movement. That's how. How much have you seen this though? I d- I've not heard. I didn't I've even never hear heard about anything. That one. I've never heard about anybody trying to in- disrupt vaccines. This campaign to deny potentially life-saving vaccines to those seeking them and to poison public opinion. That's where they get us is poisoning mm-hmm. of public opinion. Right. So we can tie them to those people, extremists, because we're poisoning public opinion of vaccinations, could result in countless American deaths. That is akin to domestic terrorism. So you see where the comparisons are here. Mm -hmm. So you can say our comparisons are extreme, but they're making these comparisons for us. Absolutely. By comparing people who won't wear masks, calling them, not comparing them to, but calling them domestic terrorists, calling people who poison, quote-unquote, uh, opinion yeah. against vaccination, domestic terrorists. Yeah. How long before the people that won't get vaccines are put in a death, another class? Oh, well, they're they're going to. I mean, they're they're already pushing for it. I mean, here a couple of uh, comments from this is from a Rachel Maddow say. Okay, uh, we're all tired. Uh, uh, Nurse Martinez is really speaking for a huge majority. This is off an article about L.A. Uh, mm-hmm. talking about um, mandates. Okay. Uh, we believe the science. We've been smart, cautious, considerate. I equate this to the right smokers always thought was theirs, to make the rest of us inhale their caustic fumes and die from secondhand smoke and asthma. Um, at this point, we need to take I'm steps. I'm doing that to you right now, actually. You are. Thank you for being caustic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to take steps to get the unvaccinated vaccinated. Want to go to a movie? Prove you're vaccinated. Want to go out to eat? Prove you're vaccinated. It's just ridiculous that anti-vaxxers continue to spread the, this disease. Get the vaccine or stay home. Um, let's see. Um, but while you're looking, they say anti-vaxxers are spreading this disease, but the vaxxers, yeah, the vaccinated are spreading it just as much. Yeah. They're just putting this stigma on people who won't get the vaccine. That's what we talked about in the weekend wrap up with New York, how, um, they're proposing these mandates that. Yeah, the non-vaccinated can't go into these yeah. different public places, but they're not requiring face masks, right? Even though we know the vaccinated can spread it just as yeah fluently. They, they have the the gift that keeps on giving them because it's like this person is, says, if we don't start requiring vaccine passports to keep the unvaccinated out of public places, we're going to regret it because the next variant might be the one that we don't have a vaccine for. Right. So they're going to keep pushing the fact that the unvaccinated are creating these different variants mm-hmm. and that this va- this virus is not going to go away and it's all the fault of the unvaccinated. Yeah, yeah, putting that stigma on the vaccinated. Yeah. 
How long before... So they're going to have to isolate them. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. How long before we have to have unvaccinated cities or, yeah. or camps where... Um, and yes, this is getting extreme, but yeah. how how long did it take from going from, yeah. you know, German Americans might be a threat to putting them away in camps or Japanese American? Yeah. I mean, it was days or yeah. like three months after Pearl Harbor that that executive order was signed. And then they were shipped days later to camps. <laughs> it, it, it It just... It ramps up so at such a pace that by by the time you realize what happened, it's already happened. And it's too fucking late. Yeah, yeah. You had something else. You, you sound like you're. Oh, this one lady said that uh, she's so tired of the unvaccinated that this is a pandemic of the um, unvaccinated that she wishes aliens would come and take them all. Holy shit! They're, <laughs> they're like like they're wishing death on these people now. Yeah, and. And the process is just regurgitating what she's hearing on CNN. No, absolutely. Saying that this is a. a um, pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yeah, that's uh, all they do. All they know how to do is regurgitate. Absolutely, yeah. They don't have actual thoughts of their own because they, if they actually stopped and thought about it, they'd realize how this yeah. makes no fucking it, sense. somebody saying that insurance company needs to increase um, premiums for the unvaccinated so that they don't we don't they don't have to pay for us to being unvaccinated and sick. Oh yeah, yeah, but so. we got to pay for every other sickness out there. Right, Got to pay for heart disease for people that want to stuff their faces with donuts and get diabetes and heart disease. Yeah. But we don't want to pay for that. Yeah. That's... Absolutely vaccination mandates must be done. Come on, people. Don't you want your life back? There it is. The whole convenience. Like, yep. we want. We need to be do this for convenience. We don't care what it does to us. We just want convenience back. Yeah. So do you think our comparisons uh, are extreme? No. Do you think it's going to do you think it could potentially get there where they're separating the unvaccinated from the vaccinated? I I, th I think you'll see that in some liberal states, some mm. Democratic states, New York, California. I absolutely see that. I yeah. mean, the way that they're talking about mandates, I, yeah. In the very least, it's going to be like that color code system where mm -hmm. if you don't have it, you can't go to these places. Right. Your livelihood's going to be affected. Yeah. If you can't go shop, then right. how are you going to provide for yourself? Right. Yeah. I mean, where yeah, does this they're, go? They're going to keep bullying and pushing that line to get people vaccinated. And like you said, they're going to start they're going to keep taking away the creature comforts until you get to the point where you feel like, well shit, I guess I'll just get vaccinated then. How quickly did we go from come on guys, can't we do this for the good of the people too? These people are fucking terrorists. Yeah. Like how how quick yeah. did it ramp to that? So yeah. if you if you think for a second that I can't spiral out of control yeah. at a ridiculous rate to the point where we're just like, well, we ain't getting this shit back. Yeah. It went from hand in hand, let's do this for the good of people to you're all freaking terrorists. Yeah. And that's I, I read what four examples of people referring to this as terrorism. Right. Absolutely. So Yeah. And oh. and again, and and we talked about how they're gonna they're tying the anti vaxxers, which again, not anti vaxxers to domestic terrorism, to the January 6th thing, mm -hmm. to the right wing. Because it's all one and the same. It's all in the same. And, and they're they're pushing it on it's gonna come back to, oh well, th these are just these are just your 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 uneducated white people mm -hmm. that are that are pushing this. These yeah. the racist, right? Absolutely. These white supremacist. And that's what they're everything they're trying to tie up into a ball. Even though seventy percent of African Americans have not been vaccinated. But again, they don't re they're not reporting on that. It doesn't in because mainstream because it doesn't fit the narrative. Like I said, if you stopped and thought about it, you'd be like, This doesn't make fucking sense. Yeah. I think if 
during World War II, if people didn't regurgitate the propaganda and stopped and thought about it, they're like, oh, all these Japanese Americans. God damn it, Bill. Sorry. You come back from vacation and then you, your phone <laughs> know, goes twice, off. Three twice. Ti- that's three times now. Yeah. Where was I? You uh, think if during World War II, the majority of the people stopped and thought and didn't regurgitate propaganda, stopped and thought these families or... Let's go back to World War One. These families that have been here for 200 fucking, 300 fucking years. Yeah. Oh, they have allegiance to the German Kaiser, and they're, they're yeah. what did we call them, like the scourge, the Huns? Yeah. Yeah. If they stopped and thought about that, it's like, wait, I've lived next door to that guy my right. entire life. It's, my family grew up with that guy. Yeah, his family's been here for 30 years. Wait, they taught German in my school two yeah. years ago. Right. They stopped and thought about that. They'd stop and think... This doesn't make any fucking sense. Right. Yeah. But instead, we regurgitate propaganda yeah. and that's when things spiral yeah. out of control. Yeah. Well, and again, this is this is just like, you know, with the whole playbook to get Trump out. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is stuff that has gone through, you know, marketing people, psychologists, sociologists mm-hmm. to be like, okay, how do we word things? How do we frame things to get p- the reaction we want out of people? Yeah. And what they're doing the catch is phrases the catchphrases, right? The the things that roll off the tongue, like right? pandemic of the yeah. unvaccinated, right? Hollywood does the movies, the TV shows, you know, the books, the songs that come out. These it's all targeting people to think a certain way. This group think, yeah, and and what they're doing is they're creating a shitstorm because are. it's going to get to the point where it, it's going to get violent. Mm-hmm. And it's going to erupt, and 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 maybe that's what they want. You know, maybe again they want to weed out the undesirables, right? Yeah. They want to weed out the people that are big Second Amendment people. They want to weed weed out people that are big First Amendment people. Well, if it gets if it gets violent, it goes from a threat to public health to a threat to national, national security. security. Right, ties them right together. Yeah. All of a sudden, now that's when the domestic terrorist laws that they're trying yeah. to push through have to be implemented that they they put those in place before they put the mask or the the vaccine mandates in place Boom. so when people start getting disruptive about this then yep. they can turn around and be like hey you remember that thing we passed three yeah. months ago yeah boom now you're a you're a domestic terrorist like i said the infrastructure is already there right right i mean they, they get your little app on your phone be like kind of like how you know um you get a you can like see where the pedophiles live yeah, right right same thing be like oh well this these these guys here on this street they're not vaccinated and they're flagged for domestic extremism. Right. Yeah. So then, you know what? People start driving by their house. Or you and... can't live within so many right. miles of town or something. Oh, right. Of of public areas, mm-hmm. you know? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, it. there's so many routes this can go, and it's all bad. Yeah. Right. It's and, all bad and... until you step up and say, the individual right yeah. is the foundation of the public good. Yeah. Right. If you don't have one, you don't have the other. Right. But but people, well, we got to go with what's good for the collective, right? So what, um, you know, there's going to be what towns that are again fenced off because these are considered hazardous areas. Texas is a no go zone. Yeah, you know, I I'm mean, sure Texas would be fine. With that, <laughs> I know, <though>. right? <laughs> I mean, you know, Montana, South Dakota, these are dangerous areas, you know, because they don't abide by. Well, first first of all, Iowa wouldn't abide by it. And then yeah. two months later, Texas wouldn't. They'd be like, we got to quarantine off Texas <laughs> and all the islands. We've been us, we've been doing this for two months now. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> we got to get out of here. We did meet our time. I knew we would. We, I said always we, do. We always do. Yes. We haven't gone over, so I want to get out of here. Yeah. 
I got to go somewhere in yes. a couple of hours. Have a so great vacation. I will. Think about this shit. If you think it's crazy, it's probably there's probably some merit to it. You know, I, I was listening to somebody once say, you know, if you really want to like know yourself, mm-hmm. right? You got to know your dark side. And to do that, you got to take the extreme darkest road of humanity. You yeah. imagine yourself as that that concentration card you know, camp guard. Yeah. Imagine where this country can go right. in its darkest moment, right? The darkest part of humanity, where can it go? Imagine that and fight for your rights to make sure that it doesn't go that way. Yeah. And that's because, well, that's the whole like four or five generations away from right? it forgetting it because exactly. We don't realize where they it can go because yes, what ten twenty years ago it was brown people. Well, that doesn't affect me. I'm white. Right. Yes, back in the forties it was Asian people. Well, that doesn't affect me. I'm white. But a hundred years ago, right, it was pockets of white people. Right. So if it can happen to somebody else, it can yeah. happen to you. And everybody is like, oh, this is America. That wouldn't happen. That well, he just read. You just read op eds. I just read comments of people that. Clearly wanted to go that way, and it's not just one no thing. It's, several. it's like several, and I didn't even have to look hard for right. those. Yeah, yeah. So you know they're out there. Yes, we got to get out of here. Share this shit around. Talk about it. Comment on it. Tell yeah. us we're crazy because we want to be wrong. We, we really, really, we do. really want to be yeah. wrong. Um, keep fighting for those personal, individual rights because yeah. those are the building block of Absolutely. this. This great society. Don't, don't let people tell you that you're being selfish for wanting to defend your individual rights because, because you're defending their individual rights. Exactly. Too. It's exactly. not a selfish thing when you're in defending individual rights right. because you're defending Everybody's. collectively exactly. for the good of the whole. We're defending individual yeah, rights. Right. For the good of national security, we're defending yes. individual rights. Gonna get out of here. Make sure you check us out all over social media. Share this shit around. Smack that like button the subscribe button whatever those buttons are these days um check out our patreon account if you want to hear some of our bonus content that we have support us if you want to support us a little more than just listening to us which we appreciate more than you can even imagine absolutely but if you want to do a little bit more go to patreon.com slash break the bell give us feedback we want feedback we always value feedback good or bad i don't care we'll see you next week when i get back from vacation otherwise you can check out bill in his glory on the weekend wrap-up this week. Yes. Have a great rest of your week. Peace. Never stop talking. The Break the Bell podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back, because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Remzo and Justin. A shout-out to our sponsors, Run Your Mouth Coffee, the On the Run podcast, and... Goulash Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next week and let us continue to invade your ear holes. And as always, never stop talking.